How's everybody doing? Welcome back to the Talk Too Much podcast. My name is Sina Palavan. I am your host. This is another week and another dollar. Again, is that good enough to be my new catchphrase? We'll have to wait and see. But this is another special week. In fact, this might be one of my biggest weeks because this week, Brantley Milligan, the director of operations from ENS, joined the show. Uh, if many of you don't know, Brantley Milligan was on Bankless two times within the last two months, so I'm very honored to share this guest with Bankless. But Brantley is also one of the most important people in Web3, in my opinion, because he's one of the head people behind ENS. And for those of you that don't know, just like Brantley is one of the most important people in Web3 to me, ENS is one of the most important protocols to Web3 to me because ENS represents our digital identities on Ethereum. Um, a month ago, ENS did a very big airdrop where they <clears throat> launched their token and their ENS token and they airdropped to everybody that had an ENS name. They airdropped a, a portion of this governance token. So I had Mr. Brantley on to discuss the airdrop and their future plans um, and discuss now what the future of the protocol is. On Bankless, Brantley said that he feels like this airdrop moment is another founding moment to ENS. He feels like this, he said that it feels like 2017 to him when ENS was originally founded. So for me, I wanted to kind of find out why this moment was so impactful to him and what this means for all of Web3. Where is ENS planning on going now? Like, what is the truth? Like, what is it? Or like, why are these things so important? You know, why, when people get into NFTs, I always say, you start off with an ENS. And they always ask me, why, why? Why does a .eth name matter? Well, now this episode is going to explain to you just that why a web3 domain is very important why your ethereum digital identity is going to be you know the foundation for everything you do in the web3 space um so this episode is going to be without a doubt one of my most biggest my biggest episodes i should say just because of the magnitude of what brantley is doing at uh ens and what e and ens but also because i truly believe Amongst all this stuff in Web3 and crypto, I genuinely believe digital identities is the most important concept that any of you that are watching need to grasp. Because once you really understand and kind of connect your life to what a digital identity is and what it is on a broader spectrum, you'll really understand Web3 and where this space is going. And it kind of gives you a weird not morbid, but like existentialist look on society. So sorry if I'm rambling on, but this week's episode was, again, on ENS with Mr. Brantley Milligan. I'm not going to take up your time that much longer. Let's get into the episode. The Graph is an indexing protocol used to query data from blockchains, player-to-player -player networks, or just storage networks like IPFS. Why is the Graph so important? No application can be built upon these networks without the Graph. Think about how long it would take to find one piece of data without the Graph. The graph lets you index any blockchain, any storage network, any player-to-player -player network, and grab whatever piece of data you need to build the application you're building. The graph also makes data an open market. You can signal your favorite subgraphs on the graph's decentralized network to earn more GRT. That's right, data is an open market. You can earn more GRT by picking the right subgraphs. The graph also has the subgraph studio where you can actually create your own subgraph and publish it on the graph's decentralized network. This means other indexers can come in and signal on your subgraph. 
Connect your wallet to the Graphs website and start signaling other subgraphs or publish your own subgraph today to earn more GRT. Developers, crypto investors, NFT collectors. Wherever you find yourself on the Web3 spectrum, the Graph is without a doubt one of the most vital protocols to your niche's success. Web3 marks the ushering in of a new technological era. What this means is that all data is stored and processed on open networks with verifiable integrity. And the Graph makes all this data accessible to you in a fast, easy, and secure manner. Visit thegraph.com or check out any of their social media pages to find out how you can play a role in their ecosystem. Well, I, I remember hearing about it probably in late 2016, early 2017, when people were talking about that some people were working on this project. I was just not involved at that time. And then it launched May 2017. And it was a huge deal. I got Brantley.eth right away. I was very lucky. To, I was happy to get that. <laughs> it, was, it was just like a side project that you have to understand some people. In 2018, uh, Nick.eth, uh, Nick Johnson, who was at, he was working at the Ethereum Foundation, and he was just doing this as a side thing. He said, hey, here's a grant. You need to leave and start another organization and focus on this. That was uh, mid-2018, and I joined a few months after that in January 2019. So what what about ENS caught your attention? What attracted you about ENS? Well, initially it was very very basic. It was like Dottie's names, name, Ethereum addresses, or something like this. I mean, it's very straightforward. And I mean, the benefits of that are obvious. I mean, you know, we need something like this. Um, ENS, of course, has grown a lot since then. Now you not only have Dottie's names, you can actually import in DNS names. Uh, it's not just Ethereum address. You can do any cryptocurrency address. It's not even just that, you can do decentralized websites, you can do profile data. Um, and really the primary use case has evolved into, it's your identity, it's, it's who you are across Web3. I mean, this is used throughout Web3 and hundreds of apps. Um, and I think that is a really big deal. I mean, the world has never had a decentralized identity system before, but now we do. And, and you know, it's not used by everybody in the world, but uh, it's used widely in Web3, and I think insofar as Web3 is growing and taking over the world, which I think it is, I think we have a shot at ENS being the decentralized identity system of the world. So you you said something, you said something interesting there. So <clears throat> you said that it's not used yet outside of Web3, but it is used widely within Web3. And I think that, uh, I guess that's a point I want to touch on is for if we're addressing let's say let's not call them normies but people outside of web3 if we're addressing people outside of web3 how would you explain to them what an ens domain is and why would uh, they want like why would they be incentivized to oh i need to go get this right now yeah um and side comment we don't call them domains we call them just names okay um you i'd say it's your username for the internet so uh, right now in, in Web2, you have a username and account for each service, which is fine, but you know, it's siloed off. Um, in Web3, the, the vision of the internet, you own your account, you own your name and profile, and you take that with you to each service. Um, I mean, in, in some ways, the, in a maximally successful situation you know, for ENS, it's, it's your last username. It's your username for the internet. I think so that's cool. Well, I, 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 that, that is a cool because it makes everything seem like it's kind of like a, like a game. Like this is one big, like, like simulation in a way, but what, what does that mean when you say it's the username for the internet? Like if I don't know, let's say I'm just getting into crypto. What, what is, what is me saying? Cena.eth. What does that do for me? Really? 
Yeah, I mean, it means that any service that decides to use you know, ENS, and we have this other kind of project that's related to this that we call Sign with Ethereum, basically just trying to make this easy, uh, particularly for non-crypto services to implement. Um, but yeah, it just means that you get an identity and that's your identity on the internet. It's like, it's, it, you have to, it's like a paradigm shift. So we're used to having you know, usernames like for services. This is different. This is an identity for the internet. Um, and the internet didn't previously have this because we didn't have the technology to have a decentralized identity system previously, but now we do with blockchain technology. And it, it's the type of thing to me that once you use and get used to, you're like, well, of course, like it always should have been this way. Like, I can't believe it existed before, you know, without that. And when you say like, because you said earlier, you could take this with you anywhere you go. Like, this is kind of like, in a way, it's interoperable. What, what, because for me, you, you could... I guess people can send you payments through MetaMask through your username so you can earn money, like not earn money, but get sent money through your username. So when you say you could take this anywhere with you, do you mean like this is kind of in a way, if you've ever played RuneScape, like your RuneScape backpack, like that you take with you with all, all your assets? Yes, but the name specifically, I say it could be the name that's just used to identify you in any service that chooses to use it. So a key thing is that ENS, it's, it's decentralized. It's a neutral protocol of the internet. There's no company. There's no trust third party. Um, it's just a neutral identity protocol. And um, so like right now, I connect to Uniswap. Boom, my ENS name and my avatar is right there, right? Follow that I set in one place. Um, go to Etherscan, I've been identified by my ENS name. Go to Sushi, go to Snapshot, go to OpenSea, you know, tons of places I'm identified by this. Um, and uh, it, it, like I said, it's like, that's me. And so when I connect to a service, that's who I am. I don't have to create a new username for that service. So does, how does this also, so in a way your ENS domain, uh, uh, along with your, I guess you just said your avatar will show up, creates who you are and, and creates your representation in the virtual world. Do you see, number one, are you a believer in the metaverse? And I'm assuming you are since you are in Web3, if it's coming. Yeah. Um, so what do you, where do you see, because for me, I'm thinking about that like 10 years into the future. So your ENS domain will be basically, or name, your ENS na name, will be basically your, your virtual representation in the metaverse is what, do you, what you think will happen, like your account in a way in that world? Yeah, well, I mean, it, so it depends on what you mean by metaverse, right? I mean, this is like a buzzword that's being thrown around. Um, like, like many terms, I'd say it, many words have like a narrow definition and a broad definition. Excuse me. Um, so like metaverse to me, at least my mind, the narrow definition is some sort of like virtual reality, full immersion, virtual yeah. reality world we live in. Okay. A broader definition though, I think could be just like the digital world. So in that sense, like the internet itself is the metaverse. It's just like a very early crude version of the metaverse. Right. And in increasingly our identities are virtual. Our interactions are virtual. These things are digital. Right. Um, and I would say ENS uh, has the potential of being the identity protocol for all of those things. So it already is in the broader sense of metaverse and just the web three dApps and websites, things like this. But um, there's even some virtual reality things that use it. So like CryptoVoxels use it, uh, web, there's WEBB, the web three, uh, that system uses it. Uh, Decentraland uses, uses it. Um, these are kind of early attempts at it. But yeah, I see no reason why 
you know, any system in the future wouldn't use your Ethereum account to identify you and your ENS name for your username and profile. And why did you, you know, you mentioned that ENS is now cross network as well, cross chain as well. Why did you expand beyond uh, Ethereum? Um, because we live in a multi-chain world and it's extremely convenient if I can say, hey, you can not only send, you know, an Ether or an NFT to Brantley.eth, you can also send Dogecoin to Brantley.eth or Solana or, you know, a Tezos NFT or something like this. That's extremely convenient. It just kind of abstracts away the fact that you have all these different accounts and just, oh, I have a name. And you can just send anything to that name. A key thing too to know is that we not only actually, we not only have .eth names, we actually have other names too on ENS. This is a lot of something a lot of people don't understand. We have something we call full DNS namespace integration. So if you own a domain name on traditional DNS, let's say bcmilligan.com, I own this, you can import that into ENS and with the same suffix, with the same ending. So it's bcmilligan.com on ENS. So it's not .eth. So you can actually like send, so like right now, open up, you, you could, you don't have to, but like you can open up MetaMask, type in bcmilligan.com and you can send me stuff to it. It's not .eth and it works. You can send Dogecoin to bcmilligan.com and it's using ENS on Ethereum in the background. So it can completely abstract away the fact that Ethereum is involved. That's just like a backend system. Uh, but it can support any names. It can support any, uh, you know, cryptocurrency. So it doesn't have to be .com or .eth. It could be anything you come up with in a way? Well, it could be anything that's on DNS. So so, okay. in, so on a technical oh. level, on a technical level we, we could support any name. This is irrelevant. So, so ENS is just like a naming naming infrastructure. You can support any names. Um, .eth name, that's just like what we created. It's, it's, it's native to ENS as the full benefits of being blockchain native, all these things. Um, we support all of DNS. So there's, you know, there's DNS has not only .com, .org, .io, it also has like .dog and .cash and .tech and .foundation. It has a wide range of names a lot of people don't know about. So you can use all those on ENS if you want. Um, we could create other names too. The problem there is that we want to avoid what's called name collisions. Um, so the DNS suffix namespace expands over time. We could create a name, you know, a new uh, suffix on ENS, but let's say then that same thing gets created on DNS a year later. Okay, well, now we have a name collision. Well, who owns the name? Who owns what name? So we think it's best for users and for the technology, successful technology that we remain as forward compatible with the traditional naming system as possible, you know, into the foreseeable future. Um, yeah. So that, that's very actually interesting and in how it's crazy how in depth you guys think about everything as well as do you, I was going to ask is do you as a company as, as a protocol do you have plans to integrate with social media platforms uh, where you, your username is now represented officially on major social media platforms. That would be great. I mean, I'd say it doesn't depend on us. So we have the system we have the sign with Ethereum, you know EIP standard. Um, any system can just decide to integrate it. They don't even need to talk to us. They just start using it. And um, we would love it if like a major web tube service, you know, social media service integrated. It just depends on them. Oh, oh really? Okay. So now I wanted to move on. That's something interesting. That's just something I was thinking about. Like, I think that would just be really cool going in the future. But I wanted to talk about uh, the airdrop a little bit is... A lot of people were very happy that they got all, all this money, but I don't think a lot of people really understand what it is and the responsibility that came with it. 
So responsibility. Yeah. 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 Yes. I use that word on purpose there. So, <laughs> no, but it, it's the truth though, is, is this isn't just uh this is, this kind of represents the ethos of web three in a way. Uh, and what web three does is, so what I wanted to ask you is if you could please explain what this token really is uh, for my audience and why they should do more research into it. Yeah. So ENS itself, uh, the core components are decentralized, self-running. Uh, so for example, like nobody can take your .eth name away from you. Okay. This is built on, on purpose like this. So there is no need for governance or human inter, um, discretion, I, I, you could say in a broad sense. Uh, in the core components. But there, there are some aspects of VNS that basically we don't know how to automate yet. Now, maybe in the future we will, but we're talking things like what should the pricing and registration parameters be for .eth names? We could just hard code in a pricing thing right now and like lock it in so that nobody can ever change it. But is that still going to make sense 50 years from now? I don't know, probably not, right? I mean, we need to have some human discretion over time, even if we're not often changing this. Um, another thing too is, okay, well, the protocol is making money that goes to the DAO. Uh, right now it goes to the DAO, but just it's making money. Who should spend that money? Um, because ENS, like I said, it's an open public protocol. It's not a company. It's not a for-profit product. Uh, a key part of ENS is that it's a decentralized, neutral protocol of the internet. So the money shouldn't just go to some company that's making all the money. Now it's no longer neutral. Yeah. So how should it be spent? How do we determine that? I, I don't know. We, we can't just automate that. Um, so uh, what the, the DAO is, the DAO controls these few parameters that do require human discretion and, you know, and then also the treasury. And the tokens represent voting power in the DAO. So, each, so it's one token, one vote. The more tokens you have, the more votes you have. And uh, this airdrop was saying, okay, we want a wide distribution and a, kind of an egalitarian wide distribution to a huge number of people. Um, also trying to target people who have done things that indicate that they care about ENS. So it was not perfectly egalitarian. That it's not like everybody got the exact same amount. No, if you had interacted with ENS more, if you'd contributed to ENS and you got more, that makes sense because you've indicated you care more about it. So you should have more say. You, you have more at stake, right? Um, and these, these tokens, there's no dividend or anything. All they do is they control what happens to the treasury and the pricing and registration parameters, uh, which is critical. Now, for some people, they got this token. They're like, I don't care. I'll just sell it to somebody on the market. That's fine, right? There's no shame. That's fine. Maybe you don't care. And you're like, you know what? Someone else actually is going to care more about it. Let's give it to them. Uh, so there is some like self-sorting that goes on. And this happens all with all airdrops, especially these governance airdrops. Some people, they don't care. They sell it. Some people do care. Um, but you referenced that tweet I had early on where I said, you are not airdrop free money or airdrop responsibility. I mean, that's true in that you have a say over parameters of potentially the identity protocol of the world, okay? And, and just to make this clear, there have been many attempts, identity and naming, you know, decentralized identity and naming protocols over the years. It's not a new idea, okay? And most of, they've, they've all failed. I mean, and there's no shame in that, it's hard, it's hard. How, how do you get something adopted? ENS is the first one that's actually gotten adoption and gotten like escape velocity. I mean, this is, this is a big deal. I'll say the core team, we feel responsibility, like not to screw it up. Like, you know, we have this thing going. This is a potentially a big thing for the world. And these tokens, you have governance power. I mean, that, that's a big deal. The other thing is the treasury. The treasury, if you count the, the some of the ENS tokens that it holds, plus the, the money it's raised from body name registration, 
it's like $2 billion or something. This is huge. This is, this is, this is not small potatoes. And how that gets deployed can have a big impact in the world. So when I say it's not free money, it's responsibility, you know, we really mean that. And, um, you know, for some people, they don't want the responsibility. They can, that's fine, sell it. But, but I would tell people, do you understand what you are selling? Do you understand what you are giving up? And are you properly valuing that? So if you did get this airdrop and you sell it, fine, congratulations, okay. But 10 years from now, I don't want to hear you complaining, oh, I don't like how ENS is being governed. Well, it's like, you know what? You were giving voting rights for free and you sold it. Now that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Maybe you're like, I'm not even the right person. I, I shouldn't even be involved. Great, fine. Pass other people who will be. But I think this is a significant thing in the world. I think people should take it seriously. And I, I, there's a lot to dissect there. So I want to start off with how do you vote? How do I vote as a token holder? Yeah, so there's two types of votes. Basically, there's off-chain and on-chain voting. So on-chain voting is when you, like, if a proposal passes, it actually affects the outcome of the proposal. So like if we say we want to give $10 million of, e of ENS tokens to some, you know, to somebody, if the vote passes because you're voting on chain, it actually, by it passing, it sends the tokens. It happens automatically. There's nobody has to execute it. It just happens automatically. That's on-chain voting. Uh, Off-chain voting is doesn't cost anything. Um, and it's just like, hey, let's find out what do people want. And someone might have to then execute it, but it's just a way of finding, you know, getting people's opinions on things. Um, uh, so there's the two types of voting. Uh, to vote, you know, off-chain stuff, there's a website called Snapshot that we use. For on-chain stuff, there's a website called WithTally that we use. Um, most people, though, even if you have the tokens, even if you care about it, you know, they don't have the time to like read up on the forums and what are the discussions and what are the proposals and really take the time that it warrants, which is fine. So we have a delegate system. And you, if you claimed your tokens, you probably saw you were asked, you know, to delegate to somebody. Um, anybody can be a delegate. You can actually delegate to yourself if you want. You can change your delegation at any time. So it's entirely open, democratic. Um, but the delegate system is important because it says, hey, I don't have time. I'm going to delegate my voting power to somebody I trust who does have the time and that person can vote on my behalf. So for example, um, I only got like a thousand tokens in the user airdrop. I did get tokens in the contributors airdrop, but because I'm on the core team that has a four-year lockup and six-month cliff. Um, so I haven't gotten any of that yet. So I, just, I have like a normal distribution of a, of a user, but I have, the, because I'm a delegate, a lot of people have delegated to me because they know me and blah, blah, blah. I, I can vote with like the power of 500,000 votes because people have delegated that power to me and people trust me with it. Oh, um, I get it now. So, oh, so if you get, if people delegate to you, that's kind of giving you power in a way. It's giving me more power. Now they can delegate away from me at any time. So if I screw up, they delegate to somebody else or they delegate back to themselves. Cool. In fact, you can even do this per vote. That's so cool. Yeah, you can even do this per vote where it's like, you know, I normally trust Brantley.eth, but you know what? He said how he's going to vote on this other thing and I don't agree with him. So I'm going to delegate back to myself, vote differently, and then I'll delegate back to him because I usually agree with him. This is like, by the way, like a breakthrough in governance in general. Let's say, can, are you, do you live in the US? Yeah, Las Vegas. Okay, so you're an American. Okay, Las Vegas. I'm in South Carolina, American. Okay. So like, let's say um, we elect... Uh, representative for the House of Representatives. First of all, it's geographically based. So it's a majority in that. So maybe my vote 
doesn't even end up, I don't, I'm not represented by who I voted for potentially, right? There's that also, let's say even if I did, my person won, then the person's in power for two years, maybe I don't like them anymore halfway through. I can't change it, right? With DAOs though, you can't. So it's like, I delegate my power to that person. Now that it's not, it's not a winner take all geographic system. That person has whatever voting power has been delegated to them and I can change it at any time. There's not elections. Um, so I think that that's a really powerful uh, governance system. No, I think just, I, I 100% agree. It's you don't just go in and vote. You have the delegate. You have to go through the delegation process. I, I like that too, be, as it says, because it, you can place your votes in, in another person. But what I was going to say is, as a voter, sometimes there's been throughout the states and politics, people have complained that, um, you know, my, is my vote vote heard? And, you know, you were saying just now, like, I only received the normal, I only received like 200. So, but still very grateful for that. But what, as anybody who received, you know, um, smaller amounts or whatever, is there, are, th are their votes still heard? Uh, do they still have um, a way to make an impact within the ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, it definitely counts. I think particularly when you pool your votes basically with other people into a delegate, right? Then it maybe really starts to feel um, like it matters more, but of course it matters. Um, and uh, yeah, we wanted a wide distribution uh, uh, distribution so that anything that passes requires, you know, wide buy-in, you know, from the community. We don't want a small number of people to be able to control things. Um, and I will say like, if you go to withtally.com and you see the actual distribution of even the delegate power. So again, remember, this is not, these are not tokens I have mostly. It's mostly tokens that have been delegated just the voting power to me, but could be taken away from, you know, the voting power could be taken away at any time. I'm the number one delegate just because I'm prominent, you know, doing ENS and I have about 500,000, but that's only 0.5% of all tokens. So a huge amount of other voting power is in other people's hands and I could be easily outvoted by, you know, by other people, by other delegates very easily. That's good. We want there to be a wide distribution so that, like I said, anything that passes requires a lot of buy-in from the community. That's what we want. Also, it's, as you mentioned earlier, like uh, 500,000 people are placing their trust in you. And if-, if 500,000 tokens. Oh, so tokens, I say, you know, tokens. it's fewer numbers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, that makes sense. I just realized that. I was about to say, that's some crazy power. It could be 1,000 people, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Like that, yeah. But still, as you mentioned earlier, if if you were to do something that a couple of voters didn't like, they could just undelegate. And then if you they wanted to go back, they can just delegate again. Um, so you mentioned something very interesting, though, uh, earlier. Uh, so I want to touch on two points to dissect that statement you said is, Number one, do you believe that, because you said you don't want a small amount of people to hold the power, and that is the foundational ethos of Web3, but do you see there ever being problems from a large amount of people uh, holding too much power? I mean, you know, anything could play out. We'll see how things play out over time. I mean, I hope not. Um, and, you know, the, the, the DAO can can upgrade itself. Um, I, I expect, so the DAO contracts or built, built into it have it so that the DAO can vote to upgrade the contracts to a new contract. So basically the rules about how voting works and things like this, that can evolve over time. And uh, DAOs are not perfect right now. And I hope the DAO uh, best practices and technology improves over time so that ENS DAO can, can upgrade to better 
systems, hopefully in the future. I'd also say that, like I said, there's parts basically the DAO exists because we don't know how to automate certain things. I actually am hopeful that clever people might come up with, you know, clever ways to automate some of these things. I'd say the best system is one that doesn't have human um, involvement. You know, let's say for setting pricing, if somebody found a really solid way to lock in like an algorithm that self-adjusts or something like this, you know, pricing over a long period of time, I, I would support something like that. You know, it's better that we don't have, let's just, the best politics is something that's not political, right? Where there is no politics. Um, you know, could there end up being a concentration of power over time? I mean, yes, that, that, that's a risk and I hope it doesn't happen. And I hope that if it does happen, the community can adjust to fix that problem. The most interesting thing you said to me in that statement is most companies, you see the ENS isn't a, a new idea. Most companies that have had this idea have failed, but ENS, you know, it didn't fail. So there's pressure on us to kind of like, you know, let's see where this goes. Why do you think ENS didn't fail? What aspects would you contribute to that? A couple. One, uh, it's built on Ethereum. And so like other attempts have like had their own blockchain, which does have some benefits, but it also silos you off from everything happening in Ethereum, right? Um, which is a very, very significant uh, thing. So it's on Ethereum. I think that's the best place um, to do it. Uh, also, I will just say that the creator of ENS, Nick um, he's, look, he's a top tier dev, okay? There's not, not all devs are create equal. He's a top tier person and he's brilliant. He's also a, a nice person, which is a killer combination. So that is just, that is helpful. I mean, honestly, sometimes I've seen other projects and the people are earnest and they're good people, but I know some, they just don't know what they're doing, right? I mean, you have to have the people know what they're doing, set things up right. He also, another critical thing is he had the, he had the insight from the beginning that, okay, naming tends towards a natural monopoly, which means that it should be a public good and a neutral protocol, not something that's privately owned. Um, and he had that insight from early on when even nobody cared about ENS. He's like, no, ENS, if it's successful, it should be neutral. So he never took investment. You know, we've maintained that. It was only, you know, from grant money. Um, that credible neutrality is critical to the success of ENS. Another uh, thing too, again, I have to credit to Nick here. He had the insight early on, which was uh, we should not go to war with traditional DNS. Instead, we should complement um, traditional DNS and remain future compatible in the namespace as long as possible. That is unique among other attempts. They, they're like, hey, let's, it's more romantic, I think, to like, hey, let's go to war, fight the man, but... But it, it's, it's dumb because um, just because of the way that naming works, uh, you really can only have one namespace. Um, and then you're setting yourself up for a, a fight that you're probably going to lose, in, but you didn't have to have the fight. So yeah, it's like, exactly. let's, let's, let's have as few battles as we need because it's going to be hard even without them. Um, so I think all of that has combined together um, that ENS has, has gotten the traction. And I, I fully agree with a lot of that just because uh, people are still super comfortable with Web 2. I don't think that, um, and that just that whole world, I don't think that it's going to be a full-on transition into the Web 3 space um, over then. Even though the space is getting bigger and bigger, I do believe that, you know, it's still going to be a, a transition. If I were to have a conversation with you, Mr. Ranley, in a year, what would one bold prediction about ENS domain, uh, yeah, ENS, where would you say that, that this protocol would be a year from now? 
Well, the major stuff we're working on that I hope is done long before a year from now is our L2 stuff, which is very Ooh, what, close. Oh, what do you mean by that? Can you go in depth on the L2 stuff? Well, just I'll say um, scaling ENS is going to happen in stages. It's a hard problem when you're decentralized. Like, look, if you're centralized, there's all sorts of things you can do. It's very easily, but it's kind of like defeats the point. Mm-hmm. Um, with ENS that is decentralized uh, and really building for the future, not just having short-term um, uh, gains at long-term expense, it's going to happen in stages. And the first step is going to be, we've created actually a whole new standard for L1, L2 communication that actually has uses far beyond ENS. Uh, but it will allow people, at least at first, to put um, subdomains and records on any L2 or even external location of their choice off-chain. Um, that's coming soon. And that, that's, that will be a big breakthrough for ENS because it'll make the, the creation management of subdomains at low to near, low to zero cost. So I think we could have an, a massive explosion in the number of names on the system if like wallets and services can give, let's say, free subdomains at no cost, right? Mm-hmm. This is, that's a breakthrough. Uh, another thing we're working on is a total redesign of our manager app from the ground up. Um, the manager, just to be clear, it's just, it's just a user interface for interacting with ENS. So you don't even have to use it. Anybody could build a UI. You don't even have to use it, but um, it is the main thing that most people use. and we're redesigning it from the ground up uh, and I expect it to be much, much better. Why, uh, why did you guys one. decide to do that? So the current one, I mean, in some ways uh, works great. I mean, it's onboarded hundreds of thousands of people. It works. It was initially designed though, a couple of years ago when the vision for ENS was a little bit different and ENS has evolved, you know, into this identity standard thing. Um, and we've just also learned, oh, you know what? that UI needs to be simpler. Oh, that doesn't make sense to people. Oh, that needs, you know, we need to automate, you know, things that seem obvious in hindsight, you just, you learn from, from over time. And so we're just redesigning it with, from the ground up with those insights and better understanding that we have. Um, And then, so combine all that together, I would say within a year, I think it's possible right now, there's like, you know, a half million names owned by like over 200,000 accounts. I think it's possible to have many, many millions of names owned by millions of accounts within, within even a year. You're saying like multiple millions within one year? Potentially, yes. Many millions. That, that would be a very- I think big, that's possible. Yeah, that would be, I do too. But that, that because of the way the growth trajectory has been in crypto, but would it, that would be a very big surplus of people in the space, wouldn't you say? Yes, but see, it's un- if you if you unblock the costs of name creation, like so, if subdomains can be created negligible cost, created and managed negligible costs off chain, you have that, and you just have better UX and stuff around managing everything like that. You know, there are. I'd say like right now, there's maybe, and this is really rough ballparks, maybe a hundred million people in the world who own some cryptocurrency. Let's say roughly. 10 million who are kind of using it and then maybe a few hundred thousand that are like deep into it. Okay. Like deep, really know what they're doing, have all the stuff. Um, ENS, I think has really penetrated a lot of the people, you know, the core that, you know, it's like that core, it's like Uniswap. There's like a few hundred thousand Uniswap users every month. I mean, this is like core people who know what they're doing. Same thing with ENS. It's like this core group. Um, 
you know, I think though that by opening these things up, we could reach that next you know, order, couple orders of magnitude up to people who are kind of doing stuff. Um, do you understand what I'm saying? We could kind of make that yeah. jump. Yeah. And I, I see what you're opening. You're saying opening up the subdomains for like a little cost, right? Yeah. I mean, like, so for example, there's tens of millions of people in the, you know, who have like, they have a Coinbase account. Yeah. They own crypto, but they don't even know that dApps exist. As far as they're concerned, crypto just means I buy and sell these coins on Coinbase for some reason and I make money, lose money, and I don't even know what you do with it, right? This is like a certain type of person. Uh, who, you know, they know about it, but, you know, they own some, but they don't beyond that. You know, like what if, what if major wallets and services said, hey, because we can make these at zero cost, why don't we just onboard people and everybody gets a free ENS subdomain? I mean, that'd be possible with these systems, right? I, I Which, think that would be, I honestly think that would be major if that were to happen in 2022. I think like that would be so big. It's not even funny. I would also ask you one more question. Sorry to end it. Would you guys ever consider another airdrop, a smaller one, obviously, if you guys onboarded that many people, would you guys do another airdrop or no? Um, there are no plans to ever do another airdrop again. So this was a one-time event, just initial distribution. Um, what we would, what we say though to people, because there's new people streaming in all the time. I mean, we hope to have billions of people come in, right? Yeah. Um, is you can still get involved in ENS governance. So there's ways, a couple of ways to do it. One, you can, of I course, you can always, yeah, you can acquire the token from other people, and then you have buying. Okay, so it's going to cost something, but okay, it's, just, yeah. it's the way it is. The other thing too is whether you have tokens or not, even um, you can still get involved in governance discussions and things like this and help out with things and do things and contribute on discord, on our forum. Um, it, it's wide open. Like if you're a serious, good faith contributor, then regardless of your opinion, we want you involved in here. In fact, I would say, again, if you're a serious, good faith contributor, if you have opinions that are contrary to, let's say the conventional wisdom in the core team, we, we especially want you involved. Like that's like part of the whole point of having the DAO. If we just wanted to do what we wanted to do, we don't need the DAO. Great. Yeah. You know, right. We want you to get involved, bring in new perspectives. And, and also you can contribute to building things, right? ENS, it's open source. Everything's open. There's tons of things that need doing and services and use cases. If you, you know, we can't do it all. If you want to get involved, contribute. And and you know what? If ENS ends up being the decentralized identity protocol of the world, okay, it will. you can help build it. Like you want like something that's like fun and meaningful. That's like, you can do it. You just have to get involved. And also I want to make it a point that you said something smart at the beginning of this episode, you said uh, people don't understand what they're selling. So if you are one of the first 100,000 people to receive this airdrop, Think about just to appeal to you, the people that just want to sell it. Think about where, what the value of these tokens when those millions and billions of people come into space. I think yeah. that, that that's that's what that's what people really need to think about. Um, and I agree with you. Also, as as people who don't agree with the core team's opinions, should be participating more because I think I always think friction leads to perfection. Like eventually, like I think back and forth always uh, lead to that. But Mr. Brown, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time uh, to do this with me. This episode will be out Monday or Tuesday. I will, you will probably get bothered a couple of days on Twitter uh, with Twitter notifications. I'm going to make a cool trailer for this. Um, <laughs> so I apologize in advance, but I just want to say thank you so much. I'm very grateful that you took the time to uh, do this interview. Yeah, thanks for the invite. It was great. Of course, of course. and I'll, again, I'll, I'll bother you on Monday. <laughs>